there. Welcome to ChirpCast. Encouragement with heart, humor, and a little sarcasm. Growing up, were you one of those kids who spent lots of time sitting with your nose against the wall or maybe in the corner? Did you spend a lot of time in timeout? I didn't spend a whole lot of time in timeout because my parents were the spare the rod, spoil the child type, and it definitely served me well. I was a quick learner of what not to do. And thankfully, our daughter is also the same way. And even though she tends to push it just a little bit farther than she should sometimes with her sarcasm, I mean, I don't even know where she gets that from. She does pretty well about it. I wanted to talk today about a group of people who actually spent quite some time being in timeout. In fact, it ended up being 70 years. You might think, wow, that's a little excessive. 70 years in timeout? Well, it wasn't because God forgot about them. It was because they needed to learn a lesson. So the Israelites are who we're going to talk about today. The Israelites were exiles in Babylon. Um, This was a foreign land for them, and they were under a king, Nebuchadnezzar, who was being used basically as their punishment. Now, this king was a king of war, and he was not a man of God. He was definitely a dictator. So this king had come to rule over them because the people of Israel had become very headstrong in their practices and how they were living, and it was not pleasing to God. So God sent this prophet, Jeremiah, who his job was to listen to God and pray and communicate with God and then share the word of the Lord with the people. And so Jeremiah had been doing this. And at one point, he even went to the elders and the people and he said to them, if you don't straighten up and fly right, you're going to get in trouble. That would be um, one of my dad's phrases. (laughs) So they didn't straighten up and they didn't want to fly right. They wanted to do their own thing. And so God allowed them to become exiled into Babylon. These people were really frustrated. They were unhappy with where they were. They were basically facing the consequences of their own choices. I can tell you I've had to face the consequences of my own choices more than once in my life. And it's never something that I've enjoyed But at this point with these people, they needed a wake-up call. So Jeremiah, after they had been exiled, God spoke to Jeremiah and he said, here's what I want you to tell them. Basically, he wanted them to chill out. They were complaining, they were grumbling, they were unhappy with their situation. And this is what God tells them. He says to seek peace, to pray for the prosperity of Babylon where you are, Because their prosperity is your prosperity. If they're happy, you're going to be happy. If you start thinking of this in terms of maybe politics, it can be frustrating because whether you love who's in power or don't, the Bible still tells us to pray for them. If we want peace, then we will continue to pray for those in power. Again, whether we agree with them or not, praying for them is the best option. And so God is giving them this this option of, you know, you can seek peace. You can still marry. You can have children. You can grow in numbers. Plant your vineyards and live in this place where you are. Even though you may not find it to be as comfortable as your previous home, you need to understand that this is where you are. God wanted them to know 
that he was still with him. Even in the middle of being under a king who was being used to punish the Israelites, God had a plan. God gave them a time frame for how long this timeout was going to be. And I know that Jeremiah 29 11 is probably a scripture that most of us could quote backwards and forwards. We like to use this scripture because it's comforting, because it gives us hope, literally. <laughs> the scripture says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. We love this scripture. And I'm going to say, I'm guilty. I've got it framed and it's on the wall in my dining room. I love the scripture. But I never paid attention that God gave them this word in the middle of a very uncomfortable situation. God was showing them who he was and that he still cared for them, even in the middle of things being uncomfortable. And he was like, look, chill out. I've got a plan. I know what's going to happen. I know that this is not fun, but... You were disobedient, and now this is what happens. These are the consequences of your own actions. And aren't we so like that? We get angry whenever our own consequences show up and knock on our front door. We're like, come on, God. I prayed that one time over that cheeseburger. How come you're not taking care of me now? We we act like God owes us some sort of special favor just because we call ourselves Christians. And I don't really believe that that's true. I think that God is always trying to call after us. He's always calling our hearts towards him. But we have to really turn and face who he is and give him everything we have. So there was actually this uh, really funny thing that happened last year. We were swimming and my nephew Sharky, who is five, was playing in the pool, having a great time with his little sister, and he happened to get a hold of a water gun. Now, we had told him, Sharky, do not squirt your sister in the face with the water gun. Okay, okay, okay. He had it. He was playing. Next thing you know, we turn around. She's squealing. He's laughing. Her face is soaked. And we gave him another warning. If you do that again, you're going to have to go sit in time out. So he was pretty irritated about the whole situation, and he was like, okay, okay, okay. Typical five-year-old boy. A couple minutes later, he turns around. He doesn't go for his sister. He turns around, looks me in the face, pumps the gun, and shoots water right in my face. Now, he knew that he was in trouble because I took my sunglasses off, and I said, Sharky, go sit at the table and put the gun down. And he started in, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. I won't do it again. I'm sorry, I I won't do it again. I won't do it again. And I said, no, no, you need to go sit down in your timeout. (sighs) He was so mad. So he climbs out of the pool, tosses the gun onto the patio table, walks over to the chair, sits down, crosses his arms, puts his knees up in the chair. Oh, he's so mad. You can see him fuming. And the funny thing about Sharky is... He tends to talk under his breath when he's in trouble. (laughs) Now, I know exactly how that is because I was that little kid too. I was always mumbling something under my breath. And so he's sitting in the chair and he's mumbling and and we're kind of ignoring him because, you know, he's in timeout. He doesn't get to have fun and play in the pool anymore. So he's sitting there for a little while and his mumbling starts to get a little bit louder. 
So I looked over at him and I said, um, do you have something to say? And of course, I'm thinking if he would just say, I'm sorry, he could get back in the pool. But he's sitting there and he kind of looks at me and he gives me the side eye and he says, well, if somebody didn't say something, I wouldn't be in timeout. And it took everything within me not to just start cracking up laughing. And my daughter and my mom were there as well. And both of them kind of turned their heads so that he wouldn't see them laughing because they knew he was just in so much trouble. And he didn't know when to stop. He didn't know when to quit talking and complaining about his situation. And I said, well, if you had been obedient, then you wouldn't have gotten into trouble. And he just wasn't having it. He just kept mumbling away and he kind of turned around and I said, okay, then I guess you have to stay in time out. So he sat in that chair for the rest of the time while we were outside. Don't worry. I understand California heat. He did not die. He sat in the chair for a couple of minutes and then we ended up packing up and doing something different. But he was so mad. He was just constantly grumbling, even though the hard times and the time out that he was sitting in was self-inflicted, he did not want to have any consequences. When we read the scripture, um, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, we read this scripture and we hold on to it thinking that it's just this tiny little special nugget in the Bible and that it doesn't really connect to anything else. But it does connect. It should connect to us if we read the whole story about why God would even say this. He wasn't saying it just because, you know, he's the most loving and and gracious God and, you know, they could just say and do whatever they wanted to. He was trying to teach them a lesson. And basically that lesson was even in the middle of the hard times, even in the middle of our own consequences, one, he's still with us, and two, He has a plan. We might not like God's plan, or maybe we like his plan, but we want it on our timetable. That's not exactly how God works. You see, God doesn't look at me and say, okay, Amy, what would you like? And then I say, here's my list. God is not Santa Claus. He is not just there to grant us our wishes and make us happy all the time. God is here to make us better. He's here to make us better people, to grow us so that we can in turn help other people, so that we can worship him, so that we can love him, so that we can dedicate our lives to the things that he has called us to. You know, if the Israelites had constantly been given whatever it was they whined about, they would never have learned any lessons at all. Who knows what would have happened to them? Who knows what would happen to me if all the time I complained and cried and whined and God just gave in to me throwing a tantrum? That's that's not going to teach me anything any more than if I had allowed my nephew to do whatever he wanted to, no matter the harm it may have caused somebody else. He would have never learned the lesson of self-control. The Israelites, their disobedience, it cost them. 70 years of freedom. And you know, it's really interesting because God actually tells them that in 70 years, you will have freedom again. He tells them how long. So basically, because of their disobedience, they lost an entire generation. How many people had died off before that 70 year period was over? 
and the people got to go home. We have no idea sometimes the consequences that are going to lay in front of us whenever we are disobedient to what God has called us to do. Disobedience is one of those things that I feel like we all experience it. I mean, obviously we do. None of us are perfect. If you're perfect, raise your hand. Nobody's hand should be in the air. We're not perfect. But the lessons that God wants to teach us, they can make us bitter or they can make us better. Whatever season of life that you happen to be in right now, maybe you feel like you've been in a 70-year timeout yourself. Or maybe you're the one who's just about to pick up the squirt gun and shoot somebody in the face with it and get in big trouble. Wherever you are, whatever season of life you find yourself, know that God is with you and that he has a plan for you. Jeremiah 29 11, even though it's in the middle of this crazy story, I'm, I'm serious guys, like super crazy story. You should read Jeremiah. It's so interesting. There's all kinds of things. I mean, people think that the newspapers are crazy. Try the Bible for real. It'll, it's, it'll keep you busy. <laughs> During these timeouts of life, we have to ask God the question, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What is it that I can learn in this season of timeout? Maybe you feel like you're waiting for something. Maybe your timeout's just about over and you can just see the seconds clicking away on the timer and you're like, I'm almost free again. What lessons have you learned? I hope that you were encouraged today knowing that God is with you and that God has a plan for your life. And if you would allow him, he can teach you the most amazing lessons, even in timeout. We'll catch you next time.